You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. <laughs> What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Pure Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Equal Vision Records and Sound Talent Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. This week, guys, we have a living legend once again on the show, Mr. Milo Ackerman from The Descendants. Now, there is there is a very select few bands that had an enormous impact on my life at the right time, in the right place. And the descendants are one of them. I don't remember, sadly, I don't remember where we got Enjoy from, uh, but we got the record Enjoy and immediately gravitated towards this band. And I, it blew my mind. I had so many feelings when I heard this record. I was laughing my ass off at all the farts and fart jokes. Like the 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 lyrics were amazing. Like the the musicality. The melody. I mean, if you guys have seen that filmage documentary, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And most of you that are listening to this were probably also influenced by the Descendants. And I can't say enough good things about that band. And getting a chance to talk with Milo was fantastic. Uh, he and I met back at the Crystal Ballroom in Portland. I met uh, Stefan, uh, Carl, Milo, and Bill that night. And that was also my first time seeing the Descendants which is crazy, like 2018 or something like that. After being a fan for so long, of course, uh, you know, missing every show they ever played reunion-wise until that point. Getting to see the band and then meeting the band afterwards was just a surreal experience. And then getting to have Milo on the phone for an hour 
just on on kind of a whim. Uh, it was awesome. Uh, we set it up. He's basically like, you know, just name a day and time. I'm available from you know 8 a.m. to to 11 p.m. or whatever. And it was like, Jesus Christ. Okay, well, and we picked a time and made it happen. And and man, what a what an awesome chat with a legend. So. Um, that's another cool thing about this show is getting to talk to people that you've looked up to for so long and stripping them down to to just a real person, which everyone is. And uh, I love it. I love it a lot. So thank you guys for coming back week after week. I'm stoked for you guys to hear this one. Let's get some business out of the way, and then we'll jump right in. All right, PeerPleasurePodcast.com is the website. If you want to get in touch with me, you can get in touch with me at PeerPleasurePod, uh, PeerPleasurePod at gmail.com. Uh, and that's the email. Shoot me anything you want, you know, guest ideas, comments, questions. I've been getting some real thoughtful stuff sent over and, and trying to respond to everybody. Um, but I'm just glad people are understanding what I'm doing with this show. And it just really feels good. So thank you if you've reached out. Thank you for reviewing the show if you have. Uh, telling a friend. I see people sharing it and putting, you know, five or six friends on the on the comment string. It's awesome. It really helps out a lot with the show. The, the show is doing better than ever. We've got bangers after bangers after bangers coming out, and I'm really, really stoked for the rest of this year and, and looking forward. So, um, guys, thank you so much. All right. So without further ado, let's get into this one. My conversation with Milo Ackerman from Descendants. Hello. Hey, Milo. How you doing? Hi. How's it going, man? Good. This is Dewey. Yeah. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Call, calling from calling from Oregon. Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. How you doing, dude? You just uh, you sound like you were running to the phone. <laughs> oh, I was just uh, giving my my son needed a couple hot dogs before he goes off to work, so I was out grilling a little bit and then. <laughs> And then I just came, I heard the phone was like, okay, I gotta go, gotta go back, back in. So, yeah. That is, uh, we're almost 200 episodes in and that is the most random thing to be doing before, uh, the phone rings that I've heard so far. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, uh, I guess, uh, even during COVID you got to schedule, you got to keep a tight schedule, which 
it's not usually that way really covid covid's been pretty schedule free but for whatever reason today is like okay get the get the hot dogs ready for owen and then go do this interview yeah (laughs) that's excellent dude i uh uh shout out to zach blair for connecting us dude um you had probably the most open schedule i've ever dealt with too where it's like all right how about between eight and five yeah. and eight or, or eight and five and eight and 11 PM any day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, it's kind of a pathetic, I should have, I should have made it be a smaller window so that you think you think that I was busy, but no, it's, yeah. Dude. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to stay busy making music and whatnot, but we can't play live. So yeah. Yeah. There's not much, there's not much on my calendar. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. Well, I, I appreciate the time and I appreciate you doing this. And, uh, yeah, you and I met briefly in Portland, uh, last time you were through is ran- I, I think I stumbled into the, the green room at some point, uh, like right after the show. And, um, Stefan had got me into the show through a buddy, Chris of mine. Um, and yeah, I got to take, it was awesome because it was the first time I'd ever seen you guys live, which is embarrassing to say, uh, yeah. but I grew up in Alaska, so I, I mean, there was really no chance until, uh, yep. you know, coming down here and things, you know, here and there. But, uh, I also got to bring a buddy of mine who had never heard of you guys before, which okay. was so rad because I was experiencing it live for the first time. He was experiencing it for the first time. And, uh, cool. and then randomly, you know, walking back and then meeting you guys and he was, he was over the moon with it. But, uh, um, yeah, that was great. And and so I came into the descendants on enjoy, but I came oh, okay. into it on enjoy in like 96. Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah. way later. Uh, yeah. but what a what a impact descendants have had on on my life and my musical career and and uh I mean the whole the whole band. So like the Portugal the Man guys who I'm talking about, but um descendants were were part of that gateway drug into into punk rock for a lot of us. So cool. Thank you so much for that. I mean, uh, it's something, it's something, you know, I hold very seriously is, is, you know, the, the contribution that, that you guys have had. So, um, yeah, thank you for that. So you, was Portugal a man from up there in Oregon or where is it from? Uh, from, from, well, we're all from Alaska, but, uh, we moved oh. down in 2000 down to Portland okay. and been there ever since. So, uh, okay. yeah. whenever yeah. we weren't on tour, we were in Portland, but other than that, we were yeah. traveling like crazy. So, um, yeah yeah but uh dude so thank you so much and and uh i i just kind of want to you know chat i mean the you have such a huge history with music you have a history with science um you know there's so many things to to talk about but um you know what does life look for, like for you right now i mean it's i know we're in the the pandemic and i don't really talk a lot about that on the show just because i like to keep things timeless but um you know, have you just off the bat, have you looked at maybe going back into science with the way things have been going or staying the course with music and just waiting it out? Well, yeah, currently I'm going to stay the course, but you're, you're definitely right in terms of like, you know, uh, I, I had this back and forth. I think, uh, my, my current emotions are kind of mixed because I did, I did kind of leave science in four years ago and thought, okay, well, this is my, this is my new career. I thought, you know, music I'd done for, for so many years, but it was always something I did as a hobby and, you know, I, I just 
weren't, wasn't really using it to pay the bills. And then four years ago said, well, okay, now that I'm not a scientist, I'm going to, I'm going to be, you know, a career musician. And then four, and now four years later, rethinking that going, why did I do that? (laughs) Because I mean, the, the model, the model, uh, was okay. How do you make a living at music? Well, you know, we, no one makes a music, no one makes a living in music off of recordings anymore. It's all about playing live. We, we never made music off of recordings really. And so when it became viable for us to just play live and everyone could, you know, make their nut, then I thought, well, this is the new model. And then that, you know, this, this year, it just kind of, it just kind of collapsed that whole model, obviously. And so, yeah, I'm kind of like, okay, now what do I do? But I haven't been thinking, I, I haven't been thinking at all seriously about going back into science because, um, I mean, I, I, when I, I got laid off in 2016 and so I wasn't really, you know, kind of in line to, to pick any new science job up. And now four years later, I just, I just wonder about, you know, could I, could I even get back into it or, and, and do I even want to? So yeah, it's, I'm kind of, I'm kind of going to stick it out with music. And I think that's part of, you know, when I, when I decided four years ago to, to become a musician, part, part of the embracing of the whole thing was to embrace whatever challenges came my way. And I, you know, initially all the challenges were related to, can I do this, you know, day in, day out? And can I keep, can I keep healthy? Can I stay healthy? Can I keep my voice healthy? And these were all the challenges I embraced at the time. So now I figure with COVID, COVID's the new challenge. It's the, it's the challenge of, can you, can you, uh, uh, emerge at the, at the other side of this and still make a go of it. And that's kind of what I'm taking now as the new challenge. Um, but it is, it, it may be one of the biggest challenges that musicians are going to face because, things are going to be so much different on the other side, I would assume, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's, I don't know. I have no idea what, how shows are going to be run in, in the future. I mean, maybe, maybe five years from now people will be like, Oh, that was just a little blip. But I think in the foreseeable future, meaning two, two years, let's just say shows are going to be uh, a lot different for sure. Yeah, man. Did, yeah. So, Back in 2016, when you got laid off from DuPont, when that happened, like when that had they like whatever set you down, whatever gave you a letter, whatever they did, did your mind immediately go to, I need to go back to music or was it looking towards the next jump in science for a little bit there? No, you know what? My, I was already one foot out the door from science. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I had been in DuPont since 2000, uh, or maybe it was 2001, but I'd been at DuPont for 15 years. And, uh, and the, while the first say half of the, half of the time that I was at DuPont was just a really great magical time for me, I did some really great, uh, I had to, did some good research and was really kind of excited about the research I was doing, but as typical for working for a company, they, they, uh, they tend to kind of call the shots and tell you what to do and steer you in certain directions. Uh, and so after about being there about seven or eight years, they, they kind of plonked me into a different research area. And, uh, that was the beginning of the end in terms of my kind of enjoyment of it. And basically uh, by about the time I got laid off, I was already kind of considering like, do I really want to keep doing this? Because it had become kind of miserable for me in terms of, in terms of, uh, their, their kind of not giving me the autonomy to do what I want. 
uh, and, and, and just also just saddling me with a, with a, with a bunch of employees that, that was just like a shit show of employees. Sure. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I don't want to say that they were bad employees, but they, but the, the, the kind of drama of, of making these employees kind of just, uh, not, not be lunatics was, was hard for me. And I, you know, I did, I went to, I went to grad school to, to learn how to be a scientist, not to be a psychologist. And that's yeah. what I found myself doing at the end. That's what I found myself doing. I'm like, ah, this is so lame. So yeah, <laughs> when I got, when I got laid off and of course, when I got laid off too, in, in 2016 with the band was already going, was already playing around at that point uh, and, and actually playing a fair number of shows. And I was just kind of weighing the two kind of going, what am I doing with this? Like one thing makes me so happy. And this other thing, the science is, is making me so miserable. It was pretty much night and day. And, and so then when they finally laid me off, laid me off it, that, that was a pretty easy decision just to go, okay, you know, I'm going to wash my hands of this science thing for a while and just be a musician. Um, you know, and, but, but definitely, you know, now that I, now that I'm looking back and I thought, well, I guess I didn't plan on there being in a pandemic either. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, four, four years later. You know. Yeah. That's insane. Do you, do you remember? I mean, I, I know, I mean, yeah, I know you've talked about your origin story getting into music and, and through new wave and everything else, but what really spawned your, and not to keep it on science, but what spawned your interest in science? Like, do you remember what really got you into, I mean, you went to, was it molecular biology? Yeah. Molecular biology. I, it, for me, it was all about DNA. I was, I was, uh, I was kind of bewitched by DNA from the from the very, very get go. I had to in high school in my biology class in high school. The teacher made me give an oral report. I didn't want to do it because I was just I was shy actually, and I was like, I don't want to get in front of a bunch, bunch of people and and you know give this oral report. And she forced me to do it, and I guess I you know owe her a big debt of gratitude because it it got me into molecular biology. Uh, I, you know, I kind of decided to do it on DNA and, and that kind of started me down that, that particular road of being kind of really uh, obsessed with what can you do with DNA? Like DNA is cool. You know, at the, at the time recombinant DNA technology was kind of an up and coming thing. And I, I just thought this was really cool that you can do all this stuff with DNA. It wasn't just like a, this, this inert substance, you can manipulate it and you can, you can make it do things for you, uh, you in, in particular organisms and stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, at that point I was already looking at like, Hey, maybe, maybe we can make genetically modified organisms. And of course that became politically kind of a touchstone later on. But mm -hmm. I just thought that was, I just thought early on that was pretty cool, you know? And, uh, and that's what, that's what got me going on, on the DNA part of it. So then, uh, you know, pretty much like when I decided to apply to, to college, I thought, well, I'm just, I'm going to be a biology student and I'm going to focus on molecular biology and, and genetics and this kind of thing. And, and that's, yeah, that, that's how that got going down that pathway, which it kind of at the same, it was, it was kind of happening at about the same time I was getting to punk rock. So the punk rock thing and the biology just kind of blossomed at the same time for me. What a pivotal time, dude, in your life. Like to yeah. have two things that, that I mean it's crazy to have one of those things like hit you that young, but to have both, it's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I've it had was... my life changed by DNA. I mean, I know it can happen, but my son has a genetic uh, abnormality that uh, is, it's super rare and crazy. And there's like, uh, it's insane. We didn't know it was wrong for the longest time. 
And so we got like a crash course in DNA and, and what can happen, what can change, what can, I mean, it's, it's crazy. And I thought it was just insane. Uh, you know, what you can do with it or what, yeah. you can, what you can find out about it. Yeah. Yeah. They seemed almost yeah. excited when they came in the room and told us what was wrong. And they're like, well, we really don't know what's going to happen. He could die at 10 years old. He could live to be a hundred. He could do this, but they're like yeah. smiling because they made a discovery. Like, and, and yeah. it was weird separating <laughs> yeah. my Feelings, shock yeah. from yeah. their excitement, almost trying yeah. not to get offended. <laughs> That's the thing about, you know, sometimes scientists don't have a good bedside manner. They were lacking a little bedside manner there. They, they should have been, you know, hey, you know, we want you to know that this is a, ser- a serious thing. But instead of like, we made a discovery. We made a discovery. Yeah, <laughs> yes. So. It's this yeah. little green yeah. dot on this super intense microscope picture. And yeah. they're like, there it is. It's right there. And all these people came in. Can we take his picture? Yeah. And I'm like, what the <laughs> hell, man? I know. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, we're all freaks. From yeah. a DNA point of view, we're all we're all freaks. So <laughs> we, we're, each, we're each our own individual freak shows at the, at the molecular level. So, yeah. Dude, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's, I mean, that's incredible that both those things happened to you at the same time. Like what were you, uh, you said you were kind of shy. Were you always that way? Like, I mean, you're now you're in front of people every night. I mean, well, not every night, but were, um, you know, it's kind of an interesting, like you could have gone the shy route and kept with science or, you know, go in front of all these people and, and perform. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I kind of pushed myself, uh, uh, to get into punk rock and, and to get into performing probably, I mean, perhaps not, not kind of consciously, but subconsciously I wanted to break out of a, like a, a, that, that kind of shy uh, mold that I was in. I mean, in, in high school, I spent the first few years in high school uh, just trying to fly under the radar and, and, and just, just kind of trying to kind of uh, blend in with the walls, so to speak. And, and, um, at some point though, I think, and I'm probably punk rock helped me with in this regard is that I just decided that I didn't care. My natural tendency is to be kind of like this geek nerd spaz guy. And I was, I was kind of suppressing that in high school because I, you know, you just don't want to stick out. You don't want to be, you know, a, a, like a, a target. And so, but then you know, punk rock came along and I realized, well, this isn't, this is a, a kind of an avenue for me just to be who I want to be. I want, I just want to be a geek and a, and a, and a kind of a nerd and, and, you know, punk rock seemed to me like a good place to be that because it's, it's a bunch of misfits anyways. And so then I, uh, that's kind of brought me out of my shell to just even just to, to just even listen to punk rock and to go to shows brought me out of my shell to some degree. And then just to join the, to join the band meant that I was taking the big plunge and, you know, well, this is it. I'm, I can't really be shy and be in a band. I, I kind of forced myself to not be that way. I mean, the first couple of shows I did, I was kind of not even facing the audience. You know, I was <laughs> facing the back wall, you know? And so it did, did not come naturally to me and, and it took, took a while, but, in the, in the end, it, you know, I just think it's the best thing I could have done because I, I have natural shy tendencies, but, but being in a band has allowed me to just kind of ride through whatever shyness I might feel in any particular instance, I can try to ride it through kind of using, like you said, the, all of my experiences being in front of a bunch of people on stage and this kind of thing. So yeah, it's been good, for, good for me for that reason. Man. Um, do you do you remember and and talking about you know wanting to be a nerd and a geek like 
Do you remember when that hit for you? Like when you realized like, this is who I am, but I've got to hide it. Like, was it super early on when you started to like, man, I'm into some like nerdy kind of things or, I mean, what, what kind of shine that light on it? I mean, sometimes, I mean, kids don't even know they're, they're kind of geeky or nerdy until someone tells them they are right. Like you got to yeah, kind I mean, of know, get out of your normal. Yeah. I mean, actually I, my mom had put me in, uh, as, as a preteen, had I'd been in various theater groups. So I was actually on, you know, on stage doing theater, you know, kind of community theater. Mm -hmm. Uh, and at some point she put me in some musical and I, I'm, it's like, you know, teenage years, once they hit people, just, they become more, I don't know, self-conscious. That's what happened with me. I just became extremely self-conscious as a teen. And I, I, she, she wanted me to do this. She, or she said, do this uh, musical. And I said, no, I'm not. I, I just, I rejected outright. And that probably was one of the first times where I was just like, I don't want to be in front of people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And yeah. So I think I, uh, I was, uh, kind of probably naturally shy, but, but, uh, but had a mom who was kind of pushing me in the other direction. And I guess I, I'm appreciate, I'm glad, I'm grateful that she did, you know, put me in those things to kind of break me out of the same mold. But, but yeah, I think, uh, the shy, the shy part hit pretty hard in probably June, junior high and high school where, yeah, it's just, you know, you know how, you know how kids are at that age, Yeah, you know, yes. you're, you, you know, people are just looking to kind of, just to kind of take you down a notch or notch or five. And, I, you know, I felt like I was a target as, you know, I'm sure many people feel that way. You could probably talk to 80% of the, of the high schoolers out there and it would be, it would be like, uh, what was it? Was that like a siren? Wait. Yeah. The studio I'm, I'm in a, our studio is downtown and I'm oh. up like three floors and there is something going on down the street where going this down ambulance down is having a hard time getting down the road. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I I don't think my experience was unique compared to most most high school uh, uh, kids who just you know have trouble finding their 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 crew mm-hmm. have trouble finding their niche have trouble have trouble fitting in have trouble uh, with people uh, you know bullying them or uh, uh, you know calling them names whatever it's all part of the same game and you know I, I my just everyone has their own way of coping with it and my way of coping with it was like i said eventually it's just kind of like saying fuck it all i'm just gonna be who, who i who i am and this punk rock thing seems to be like a, a like a a little niche that i can be who i want to be mm-hmm. i can be that that geeky kid and not worry about being cool about being the you know the hot dude on campus or anything like that do the most interesting part about all this is, is that you made it cool. Like it, it, it became like a thing, like it became cool to, uh, I mean, you were like a, like a, uh, a symbol for that. Like it's so fascinating well, yeah. to see that, you know? Yeah. I, I think, I mean, I, that, that happened over time, obviously. And yes. I took, it took a long time. Uh, and I guess I'm, I guess I'm so, yeah, a little proud of that, I guess, you know, where it's <laughs> kind of like, be. I, well, just cause like, I just, I never really just, I decided just to be who I am. And even if that was the least likely type of person to be in a band, you know, cause at that point, you know, 19, early 1980, all the bands were wearing leather and mohawks and, you know, 
cool shades and whatever, whatever the uniform was at the time. And I was just like, nah, I'm not, no, I'm not going to do it. I just going to be who I want to be and wear my, uh, my corduroy bell bottoms or whatever I was wearing. <laughs> I think one of my favorite things to, to wear back then was this velour, like this velour, uh, shirt that was like kind of like three colors of three different colors of Brown. And, 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 uh, and I just, I just, I, I guess I was wearing it just to kind of thumb my nose at, at, at the whole scene of like, you think you have to wear the, you know, the leather and the studs and not, whatnot. It's like, I'm just going to wear this out here and you guys can, you guys can throw eggs at me or whatever, but I'm just going to, you know, t- I'm just going to ignore you. <laughs> Three different colors of brown. I think I know the one you're talking about. I'm pretty sure it's in the documentary a bunch of times. So you're wearing like these little shorts and that velour shirt. Uh, yeah. in some of those pictures yeah. or some of those videos and, uh, yeah, that immediately comes to mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, yeah. Like the, the, my rules, the, my rules, uh, guy, Glenn Friedman, I think took that shot and it's in the, my rules book and it's, yeah, it's, it's three, it's like three shades of brown. Like there's, there's like a, a baby shit Brown. There's a, like a adult shit Brown and there's like a, and there's yeah like a, a dark brown yeah. yeah so uh that that was that was my favorite shirt to wear just to just to rub people's nose and and uh how unpunk how unpunk i could be yeah that's that's the beauty of it though that's the, yeah. that's what made it that way you don't need the uniform like that's you yeah. you exemplified what people yeah. are trying to get across with punk rock without the 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 uniform it was just yeah. totally unique. I remember the first, uh, the first time I actually saw pictures of you guys. I'm like, man, this guy looks awesome. And it was, it, and that was my first thing. I was a teenager, so I was like, dude, this guy looks awesome. And then putting the records on, I was like, Jesus, this guy can sing. Like, I had, I was just blown away by it. Like, because all it, up to that point, like we'd been listening to, you know, uh, everything we had, you know, like maybe it was like, what was I listening to before I discovered punk rock? Like White Zombie and Pantera, and like just straight up like heavy music because you know in alaska you have what you have whoever comes up and plays there that's the best band in the world that month and uh but changing that all over to then discovering you know uh like green day and then the lookout records scene and then sst like uh it was like the like i said the gateway drug but just seeing that was like dude this is gonna be great like (laughs) i didn't even have to hear it first i was like this is gonna be awesome and uh, that was true a lot of those sst bands too we were all from the same uh, area in South Bay. There's a South Bay of, you know, LA. And, uh, we, we did have kind of a, a like-minded notion of a couple of things. One was no one's going to wear leather or studs, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, baby, basically just who needs it. And we're all just going to wear flannel or, you know, t-shirts and, you know, crappy old jeans or whatever. But then the other thing was, is that no one's going to tell us what we can play either. And so you look, you listen to the bands from that period and every one of them sounds completely different. You know, the Minutemen sound completely different from Saccharine Trust, um, uh, you know, Black Flags, you know, we've got their unique sound and yeah. us. And, and there was so many of the bands from that South Bay scene that were just weren't bothering to kind of go with the formulaic, whatever was coming out of England or whatever was being played in Hollywood or whatever. It's just kind of like, no, we're just going to do whatever we want to do. And that was kind of fun to, to be a part of that because there because there was no uniform and there was no codified sound 
then you were, everyone was very accepting of everyone else. You know, bands, the, the weirdest band could show up and play a show and everyone would be like, yeah, cool. You know, that sounded really far out in there, you know? So I mean, I, I just think it helped to everyone to, to kind of be so much more accepting of other people's differences. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, do you remember where you got that shirt? I mean, not to harp on that, but like the, the black flag guys, like Hank Rollins always talking about, uh, you know, wearing, uh, Mr. Ginn's old clothes, like stuff that was too big, uh, you know, like you just give them here's yeah. some clothes and they would put it on and they would just look like they were shopping at a thrift store. Uh, you know, I, I imagine my mom got it, got it for me at Kmart. Oh, you know, man. I was, I was, I was, I was young enough. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I was young enough where I wasn't even doing a lot of my own clothes shopping, like, to be honest. Right. <laughs> I mean, I was still having mom, mom would come home with something. Hey, does this fit? <laughs> oh yeah, sure. You know, so that's probably came from Kmart or something, you know, they're a little tight in the crotch, mom, yeah, you, yeah. dude, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. And you're going out and melting faces with, with, uh, yeah. with the Kmart attire. That's, oh my God, yeah. this yeah. just gets better as we unpeel this onion, Milo. It, it, <laughs> it, literally it's, it's, uh, it's so, yeah, it's so funny how these things can, can come about. Like, um, Dude, and so and in in that scene back then too, like it always had this this uh, like dangerous feel to it from from an outsider's perspective, of course. But I mean, could you go to those shows? Say you're not playing, but you're watching a show. I mean, could you just be a wallflower at those shows, or was it just getting absolutely bonkers and like it was as dangerous as it's is made to be nowadays? Like when they talk about it. Yeah, they, they you know they started slamming right around then, and uh, I was. Uh, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, I thought I heard a beep. Um, I they started slamming right around then. I remember going and seeing the Germs at I think it might have been either their last or second to last show, uh, and uh, I you know was just a huge fan of the Germs, and so I wanted to be right down in front, and I got put, put myself right down in front, and all of a sudden realized that there was like all you know total mayhem going on behind me, and I thought well. I'm here. I may as well just kind of, you know, just try to hold, hold my position. But I wasn't, I was not slamming. I was just kind of like, I want to be down in front. Cause I, I want to focus on the band. And I, we, I'd go to shows where, you know, I would, I'd be oblivious to what was going on around me because I just really, I wanted just to be there and soak in what was happening on stage. Um, I mean, obviously what's happening in the pit probably created a nice vibe to kind of add to the whole, you know, thing, mm -hmm. but really I was there, I was there to kind of focus on the bands. And so there's all kinds of blood and guts going on behind me and I'm just not, not paying any attention to it until at one point during that germ show, I, in between songs, I saw some guy behind me wrapping like a chain around his hand. Uh, and you know, back when they weren't, I guess, checking so well at the door for that. Jesus kind of Christ. So he's wrapping this chain around his hand and I'm, and I'm thinking, what's this guy going to do? And he looks at me and says, he said something like fucking turn back around and, you know, mind your own business or something like that, you know? And, you know, I realized he wanted to go back in out in the pit and, you know, basically get a little bit more aggressive with his chain on his hands. Um, but yeah, I was kind of like, okay, I'll turn back around and watch the band. <laughs> you know, I was like, I say, I see nothing. I see nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah. I mean, that's, but yeah, for me, people talk about the violence of that period. I mean, you could go see a band and you could, you could enjoy the band and just kind of like, you know, as long as you're not 
going to the pit, you'd probably be, be perfectly fine. And, you know, I suppose even if you went in the pit and just kind of were really careful, you wouldn't get all beat up or bashed up. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, the, the pit was starting to kind of get pretty hot and heavy at that point. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey. I want to tell you about some new releases coming up from Equal Vision Records. As you guys know, Equal Vision Records is my family, and so are these bands. I really want you to check these out. We've got Hot Water Music with their 10th studio album, Vows, out May 10th, featuring guest appearances by Dallas Green of City and Color, Thrice, The Interrupters, and Brendan and Daniel from Turnstile. See them on the 30th anniversary tour with Quicksand in the States in May and June and Europe in November. Hotwatermusic.com for more info. We also have Be Well with their new 7-inch, A Tap I Can't Turn Off, out now. First new music in two years from this band. This band is incredible, featuring members of Battery, Bane, Darkest Hour, and Fairweather. See them on tour with I Am The Avalanche in June. Equalvision.com for more info on that. And just your general information on Equal Vision Records, you're always going to find something you like at Equalvision.com. Go there for vinyl and merch from all of your favorite bands. Check out Hot Water Music's new record and Be Well's new 7-inch now. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, they have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working, as most people are, online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the past cast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the past cast. The past cast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest. Uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of, of that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of, of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month. Cause I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. That's insane. I, I just, I, I always see it, of course, because I wasn't there. I always see it from an outsider's perspective. And it's hard to know how much is inflated and how much isn't. And and uh, I had talked to Kira Rossler about this as well, because it's just so much, it so much seems like just a fishing story that, you know, how it gets bigger and bigger um, yeah. over time. But yeah, that's, that's insane. Um, yeah. And there was, and people were, I mean, word, word was that people, you know, would target hippies. I mean, I, I don't think, I never saw, I never saw like someone just say, Hey, there's a hippie. Let's go beat him up. But then again, like I said, I was just there to see the bands. And so I, that stuff could be happening all around me and I wouldn't even notice it because to me it was subsidiary activity. It was not what I was there to do, which was to soak in the band. Um, but yeah, you hear about that kind of aspect, which is too bad Yeah. because my, my, my reason for getting into punk was, it was like, you know, it was accept it, it was accepting of everyone. And as soon as you start beating up hippies, you're starting to say, well, there's this, there's this code code of conduct that you, that you must have at a show like that. And that doesn't really sit right with me. Yeah, man. Yeah. And so you, so playing, playing shows, you know, back in the, those times, like, I mean, there's, and like there was, you know, until recently there was a big, you know, like skinhead presence and, and stuff like that. And all these just ridiculous folks, 
coming to these shows, like when you were, did you ever have issues with that when you guys were playing them? I mean, you guys, you're playing these shows with these, you know, bands that, that for some reason just would attract, um, you know, ne'er-do-wells of course. But, um, did you ever have that kind of problem while you were playing and how did you handle, like if a fight broke out or if something broke out, would you stop playing or would you keep going? Well, uh, we never had any problem with any of the other bands on the bill. About, no, no, about, no, know, no. But, yeah, yeah, the but audience. I, mean, I think you're saying with the audience. Yes. Uh, I, in all honesty, the thing that would happen is that, like I mentioned how I was at, in, as an audience member, I was just so in the zone about looking at the band. Well, as mm-hmm. soon as I got on stage, I was in the zone. I was in the zone for like being in a band and, or just, I was in the zone for what the music, for what the music was, was was doing i was in the music zone at that point so uh what i'm getting at is that things may have happened in the audience much of which i didn't see gotcha um, um i think you know if, if really if really something terrible was happening we would stop but i i i imagine that that there was a lot of stuff happening outside of my narrow tunnel vision that i had no clue about uh and and yet we we really just uh, you know, the way the band kind of evolved as like to play just really, really difficult, intricate music. It kind of you didn't have a lot of time to kind of scan the audience like, hey, what's going on out here? It's more like, OK, we got to we got to play these songs really fast and it's going to take all 100 percent of my attention. And hopefully these people like it. Uh, if they don't. Who cares? OK, go. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, man, that's a that's a great example right there um, of of just yeah music in general. I mean, you guys, you guys wow, so much energy even now. But uh, mm-hmm. one thing I want to touch on too is, and I know jumping around a little bit, but but uh, growing up for you, were your parents were your parents still together when you were you were a teenager and, and up until uh, I think your dad has passed away, correct? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they stayed married. Yeah. Did you ever, and then this is what I, I'm getting at here is because I, my parents were also together until my dad passed and, uh, I was always, especially in punk rock and just the, I mean, cause it's such a place like we're talking about for, for outcasts and, and, and people that, um, are, you know, looking for something or looking for, you know, to find themselves or find community. Um, a lot of them come from broken homes and dysfunctional families. I was always embarrassed to tell my friends or have friends over, uh, to the house for practice or whatever, because my parents were together and I didn't know how to broach that subject because all of my friends' parents were divorced. All of the people in the scene that I knew, almost all of them were from broken homes. And I was embarrassed of that fact that I had a decent upbringing. Did that ever cross your mind or the, did that ever get into your subconscious? Well, I, uh, I, you know, I had a kind of equal number of friends in both categories. I mean, Bill, Bill actually, you know, became my best friend, uh, after I joined the band and his, his was a, his was a pretty much a broken home, like severely broken home. Uh, and so I, I could see that side of it from him. I, I could see that, um, that, that he, that the band, you know, obviously the band was very important for all of us. And, you know, I, I, for me, it was like this, this, uh, magical thing, but for Bill, it was his life. Yeah. And, it, and, and, and part of the reason why it was, it was, it was his life is that he, he, the band was family for him, you know? Yeah. Uh, he didn't have a, you know, a home family. And so I think I, 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 I took that as, 
you know, kind of like this guy's, he's, he's even more committed than I am because, you know, if he didn't, if he didn't have a band, he has nothing kind of, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, I never really felt like if I don't have a band, I have nothing. I, I just, I, for me, the band was like this fantastic thing of, of allowing me to express myself and allowing me to, to kind of be with my best friend. Uh, but for him, it was like, no, this is, this is my life because he had no other family. So I, I did see that side of it for, through him. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think, uh, uh, you know, uh, punk rock tends to attract misfits and you could be a misfit because of a broken family or you could be a misfit because of, you know, not, you know, for a variety of reasons. I mean, I felt, I felt like uh, Bill and I were both misfits at school and he probably felt an extra dose of mis- being a misfit because his, his family life was so messed up too. So yeah, it's, um, it's, it, yeah, I think, uh, in his songs, you can, you kind of get a, you can get a feel for his, emotional fragility that probably relates to him not having a good family life at home. Yeah. So, yeah, man. And, but I'm sure his family life now at home is, is probably the complete opposite of him uh, growing up, you know, having wife and kids and probably takes, huge pride in that and, and tries to make it different for, for his children. Like, I'm Oh sure my God. Yeah. He, I mean, come, I mean, he, he, he talks in, in, in interviews about how he relates to his son and it's, it's, it's heart, heart wrenching because he gets to do, he gets to say all the things to his son that his dad never said to him or, or he gets to say all the things to his son that his dad used to, you know, when his dad was younger would say to him, but, but when his dad got older and more kind of bitter and just kind of, you know, losing his mind or whatever that his dad couldn't say to him then. And it, it, you know, and so he, he makes a point of like saying those things, those terms of affection to his son on a daily basis, just to kind of, again, to try to, you know, kind of right the wrongs that, that he felt growing up. So, yeah. Yeah. Man, yeah, I've I've seen those those stories. I've heard those podcasts that he's done about that that uh, story about his dad, and it is yeah, it's yeah. heart wrenching. And, yeah. and the and the music yeah. that came out of it is incredible, but incredibly yeah. personal. And and I mean, yeah, like singing a song like "One More Day" for you that that Bill wrote those words. I mean, do you yeah. do you still get choked up singing that song? I mean, yeah, did you yeah, know his dad very well? I didn't. I I knew his dad. Uh, I. Um, in the later years, I, I, I didn't get to see him more when he was in a decline. I mm-hmm. saw him more when he was, you know, still cogent or whatever, but, uh, but yeah, when he, when he showed me that song and, and, uh, yeah, I, and, and then when I also when I heard Steve's boy too, cause Steve's boy, that's the Lemonhead song. Yeah. That's the Lemonhead song. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's like part one and part two. And, and they're both just such great songs. Um, but yeah, we, we actually didn't play one more day for a long time because Bill was like, I don't know if I can, you know, can I, can I really do this? Can I hold it together on stage while, while you're singing that? Cause it's just, it means so much to him, but yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a really, yeah, deep, deeply felt lyric, uh, that he put together on that one for sure. Man. Yeah. Jeez. Well, tell me, tell me about for you be, becoming a dad, being a dad. Like, are there things, there are things that you do uh, that are opposite from from what your parents did, or do you kind of? I mean, it, from what I've heard you talk about in the past, they kind of 
let you kind of figure things out for yourself and, and didn't really try to, to squash anything and just kind of, if you're passionate about something, go for it. Um, yeah. forgive me if that's wrong, but that's what I gather from yeah. what I've heard. But I mean, are you kind of the yeah. same kind of dad? Yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I guess, yeah, I probably got that from my parents. It's just kind of like, <laughs> let, they can do whatever they want to do. I think, you know, they're going to, they're going to turn out fine. And, but I, I definitely don't rule with any kind of iron, uh, in any kind of iron hand. I just, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, uh, easy going. And I think, I think that they, uh, I think that they can thrive in that. I mean, I think most kids can thrive in an environment where you, uh, where you trust them, you know, and mm-hmm. I, we, you know, it's all about trusting them to do the right thing. Cause that's what parents do with me. I mean, I, I, uh, I wanted to join a punk rock band and they're like, mm, okay, <laughs> uh, go for it. You know? Uh, and I can remember the only, the only time I ever got any guff was when it was like, okay, are you still going to apply to, 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 to college? Cause they were, you know, like, are you, is that still of interest to you? And I said, yeah, I'm still, but they were, they were, they were concerned that I was just going to become like a, you know, like a, a, a dropout or like a, a like I wasn't going to go off to college. So they, they did have some, they did have some expectations, you know, it's, and I have expectations of my kids, but I trust them at the same time to kind of, to do the right thing. And that's, that's kind of how I've dealt with my kids. But yeah, I think the other thing is I, in terms of what I've been trying to do differently is my dad, my dad was a kind of a workaholic. He worked a lot. He wasn't home so much and he was a little bit emotionally distant. Um, and, I try not to, uh, I try to be emotionally available for my kids. Um, and I try, I try to be just physically available for them as well. Of course, during COVID, that's pretty easy to do. Sure. Since I'm here. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everyone, you know, as long as if, I think if people have good relationships with their kids, COVID can only, can only help because then you're just like, Hey, I get to spend that much more time with my kids. You know, that's kind of nice exactly i the one thing i think about is so i mean you and you and bill met in high school yeah and then so i mean i'm thinking of all the misconnections on a large scale of of what this has done where there's no show you think of how many people say they met at a show or this band started because i saw this band play on this day but those things aren't happening and i'm wondering what no. kind of insane impact that's going to have? I mean, maybe we won't know because they wouldn't have existed, but what kind of impact that's going to have on the future? You know, like it's, it's just so many things are being missed. These connections, yep. you know, it's, it's weird to think about. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like, you know, musical, musical carry on punk rock will carry on, but we're, 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 de- we're definitely going to be having this period of, of bands that, you know, there's going to be no, there's going to be no bands where you're going to look at their wiki page. They, this band started in 2020. No, <laughs> no band starting in 2020. I mean, if a band starts in 2020, it's because it's like a one man band or it's like a, you know, whatever. It's a family, like a brothers and brothers in a band or whatever. But yeah, I mean, we, no one can, no one can even play music in the same room together. Yeah. So. Just a whole bunch of Hansons. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, just overrun, overrun with Hanson's. Oh my God! Well, what is it? What is it like? Uh, you know, are you guys writing? Are you guys writing and and recording remotely or working on stuff, or has it just been kind of a a standstill? Well, yeah, we we uh, have been in the process, long involved process, but at least we're at least we're chugging along with it. We're trying to make make a record. We've we recorded uh, 
probably 25 plus songs uh for the for this record um and it's it's uh i can say that we're nowhere close to being done sure <laughs> even <laughs> even with 20 even with 25 songs and the main reason is that uh Stephen and i wrote wrote the 25 and so it's kind of like okay so now where's the bills where's bill's contribution where's uh where's carl's contribution so mm-hmm. you know we're we're just kind of waiting for them to to write some stuff uh, i think bill's got he's written some stuff but he's he's kind of a a, a perfectionist maybe and and just like it's got to be just so uh in terms of the, the arrangement or you know and uh, he's also written a lot of songs where they just come to him just kind of like organically he gets a song out of thin air and i've been telling him you know what just write you know <laughs> yeah. maybe you know i think cuz i think he wants them to to come that way and um you know that what that means is that the muse has to strike and uh that's not always going to happen i mean i think about what the way that say uh, stefan wrote most of his songs is he has a whole work ethic where he just goes and drops his kids off at school and then goes and uh into his music room and and decides that he's going to you know, spend the next couple hours writing and he writes some riffs and maybe they're good and maybe they're bad. But in other words, he has, he has a whole kind of like, I'm going to do a little bit of this every day. And, you know, I, so it's just, we, we, we're coming at from a bunch of different angles. We got that angle that Stefan's providing. And then we got the bill angle of, of, you know, pulling songs out of thin air and hopefully we get to the end process. But, but as of now, uh, you know, I'd say that's, it's been two out of the four members, uh, you know, basically churning them out and so we're waiting for bill and carl to to write songs and we'll get there we'll get there um but yeah and, then, and you know then COVID hits and then you know that changes that i suppose that changes things because the reason why we we make records is so we can go out and play them live um we could release a record but these days you don't really release records to release records you release records so that you can have something new to play live. You know, you go out and play X number of shows a year and you want to be able to show people some your new shit. And, and so there's, there's that kind of like that kind of impetus is gone for the time being. And, uh, th- that's probably also affecting the progress on the whole thing because we could put a record out and be like, okay, now what do we do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, um, so that, yeah, I think, we're going to keep grinding away at it. Um, and eventually it will come out, but it's just been, uh, slow going for the reasons I just, I, I just said, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, maybe by the end of the year, I don't, I don't know. I mean, in the meantime, I'm just, I'm just trying to kind of do other kind of recording. Like I've been recording ukulele music. Um, and, and that's been something where I can do it on my own and, you know, it's, uh, I, I can just do it in my little dinky basement studio and it's, it's fun. And, uh, it's, uh, just kind of keeps me, uh, still creating music. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully I can keep doing that in the meantime. Um, uh, and until we can put on a descendants record out. Um, so yeah, it's it's different now because it's like if I was in a lab, I'd just be like, oh, I can I'll just drop this whole music thing until the dust until 
the dust clears on the whole pandemic. I'll just drop this whole music thing until, until the record's done and go, mm-hmm. uh, I'll go do this other science thing. But now it's like, no, I guess if I, I, I wrote, I wrote these songs for the band and I just, I should just keep writing other stuff. Uh, and if it's, if it's something that I need to say, if it's something that is sticking in my craw and I need to say it, I'll, I'll write a song. Um, that's all we, I've always operated. Um, I don't write for the sake of right sake of writing. I write for the sake of getting something off my chest. And so that's, that's, uh, so it tends to come in, in spurts. Like I'll write a bunch of songs and then I'll have like a, a year or half a year where it's like, Oh, I'm, I don't have anything to say. So I'm not going to write anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 That's, that's so, cool. Yeah. That's real cool. Cause it's kind of a middle ground between, between Bill and, and uh, Stefan where you're, I yeah. mean, you're pulling it out of yourself versus it just coming out of you. Like you have to do yeah. the work. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. To know. And, I, and I tend to, I tend to write a lyric or even a snippet of a lyric and think, oh, maybe I can develop this into a song. And then I kind of go from there. And that's, that's how I can kind of keep momentum going on songwriting is just kind of piecing together little snippets of lyrics. Um, and that's, yeah, like you said, it's kind of the mid ground between what Stefan does and what uh, Bill does. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. And so like, say, say you wanted to go back into, uh, into science or say this, say this goes on another five years, but do you think you could reacclimate into that, into that field or is it something you need to keep up on? Like much like, um, who's the big company out here? Intel. Like if Intel has a new, uh, uh, tool that they're putting in and something delays it for like a certain amount of time, they'll scrap the entire thing because it's worthless to them. And they try to catch up beyond that. It's, it's crazy. But like with, with, uh, you know, what you were doing before, is it something you could acclimate back into or is it something you would be like, man, I, I don't, I don't know where I'd fit in in this. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of don't know where I fit into it because, uh, I, uh, I had gotten to a level at DuPont where, you know, I was kind of running a lab and, mm-hmm. and, uh, had, had several people reporting to me. Um, and, I, yeah, I just wonder about once you're four or five years distant from that, whether people would just say, uh, well, now you're, you you know, the technology has moved onward and you, you're kind of still stuck in 20, 2015, 2016 technology. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there's, there's that kind of, you know, hesitation about whether I'd be able to, to kind of stay relevant. But then there's also the fact that my last few years at DuPont were so uh, kind of um, mind-numbingly bad that it's 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 that's enough to kind of make me hesitate as well. Uh, it, I, I would never want to go back. For example, I probably would never want to go back to a company mm-hmm. just because my experience at a company was kind of like. Ugh. So maybe I'd want to go back into academic research, work at a university, but definitely if I work at a university, I'm not going to be at the PI level, which would be like someone running a lab. I'd probably be, be, uh, uh, you know, kind of a, 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 uh, lab assistant or a lab technician or something like that. So just kind of, a, I'd have to drop several rungs down the, down the ladder. And, uh, you know, that's, that's again, something that makes me think twice about it. Sure. You know, so, so that is, yeah, I at this point, I haven't quite figured that part out. 
and I'm not a spring chicken anymore. Let's just put that in there as well. So I kind of, you know what the thing about, this is the thing about music and science that I always just, I've, I've continued to kind of be asked backward about. And that is that I thought, well, I'm going to be a scientist and, you know, scientists can keep doing science till they get to be old and grizzled and gray. Yeah. That's the way science works. And I go, music's not that way at all. It's music's for the young. And here I am, you know, in my age thinking, no, music, music's great. I want to keep being doing music till I fall, till I fall flat on my face on stage and die. So I, I, I just had, I kind of thought that I had this misperception that I couldn't do music when I got old, but in science I could. And then just to find that I was just completely wrong. Turns out science, you need to stay more kind of like, you know, they want the young, fresh ideas in there. And the older you get, the more kind of like stale your ideas become. So I don't know. I think I might have just had it backwards. Man, <laughs> I agree. That's awesome. Dude, oh my God. That is, uh, I, I am just, uh, I have just had a blast, man, doing the, having this chat with you because, uh, just peeling back these layers of the onion and, and getting your take on these things. And, uh, you know, as someone I've listened to for so long and not even as long as most people, because I came into it so late, um, you know, it's just fascinating. I, 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 yeah, I mean, to be, to, to be a, 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 I'll say punk rock icon, um, also phd and have just done so many things and uh you know today you were just cooking hot dogs for your son uh, before we hop on the yeah. phone like it's it's so uh, and people love seeing that side of people you know like they're still a real person you know like it's something you um it's not idolatry but it's like a, people people think they know milo uh you know, because of, of what they've seen, right. They have a perception that they don't know who you are. And, uh, yeah. that's why I love these conversations. Cause we just have, I mean, talk about, you know, who you actually are, you know, where you come from, what you're doing, like what your process yeah. is. And, and, uh, it's just fascinating, man. And I really appreciate, uh, I appreciate it. Yeah. And you, I think also the band, the band, you know, you look at our lyrics and whatnot, you get some perception of us as being, you know, be eternally 17 or, you know, kind of immature, immature, you know, and we, 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 but we try to write lyrics, uh, you know, that, that are more reflective of, of our age as we currently are. And so if you, if you want to, if you want to learn about more about, you know, what, what the band's like now, then you just have to look at the last record to kind of read those lyrics and realize that we're all now, we're now kind of grown up and, not not kind of so obsessed with just uh, the adolescent pursuit, the typical adolescent pursuits. We all have, like you said, got kids. We got to cook them hot dogs. <laughs> we got we got we got uh, we got uh, you know to to deal with our families and just keep keep everything together that way. Um, and also, I'd say that we also probably have evolved into being more politically aware as well, which is something as a young band. We're just like, fuck politics. You know, it's like, eh, I just want to go to Wienerson. So, and now it's like, no, I'm pretty, I've become pretty, pretty much like, you know, politically aware in my old age, which I guess is kind of like another backwards kind of thing. It's more of a typical for a young 
young punk to be all, you know, fuck the government. And then I'm kind of that way now. <laughs> that was the nice reprieve from the, for the descendants was not having all that in there. Like it was just fun, uh, relatable stuff. Like it was, it was, it wasn't a break from it, but it was like a, uh, it was just a nice, um, a nice aside from it where you could, you could, you know, delve into that world and then delve deeper into that world of, you know, through your guys's minds, you know, through the, the lyrics and everything else. Whereas now, like, I think when I saw you in Portland, I think you had a shirt. It was hilarious. It was something about a Cheeto, uh, about Trump. Oh yeah. It was my, my friend gave me that. Yeah. My friend, John Martin from high school showed up at the show. Cause he now lives in Portland. And he said, I've got a gift for you. And he, and he gave me, it said in, in Peach Cheeto. In Peach Cheeto, and, uh, that was it. Yes. Peach Cheeto, yeah. And I thought, <laughs> cool. Yeah, I think I wore it on stage. Yeah. And then I gave it to my daughter because it, I'm a little too paunchy for it. Yeah. But yeah, my, now my daughter rocks that that shirt. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. And and so. see, seeing you come out with your with your water strapped to your body was also yeah. something that was totally original Milo. I've never <laughs> seen that done before. And I was laughing, yeah. but I was like, that makes complete sense. I'm, I'm assuming at that point I, I wasn't doing the camelback because prior, I think prior to the side strap water, which is definitely the, what I love to rock now, but, but, uh, prior to that, I was, I was rocking the, the camelback backpack. Uh, cause I, there was a period where I was, you know, having problems with my voice and I thought, you know, well, the key thing about vocals is, a get enough sleep and B drink enough water. Those are the two things. So I we you, we we play these shows and there's no breaks in the middle where I can like go get my little cup of water side stage or whatever. I've got to drink like in between lyrics, like in between, you know, I I in between like I want to be a bear and and my edge. I've got I've got to like slurp a, a thing of water. Uh, and so I decided I need the water on my person. And that's when I got the camelback thing, but it made me look like the hunchback of Notre Dame. So I, I <laughs> stopped doing that because I wore it underneath my shirt. It was just dumb. So then I realized, well, this is, you know, I was in a, in a particularly vain, vain moment. I kind of thought, well, I don't want to do that. But then I got the side strap because it, then I thought, well, you know, Stefan and Carl, they get to strap on their instruments. So I should be able to strap on my, my water bottle. Hell and yeah. Then, and you drink that yeah. water as hard as you're singing. That's yeah, what's the best I, yeah. is mid song. You're, I mean, you're just throwing it out there on the microphone, but then you grab that fucking water and you yeah. drink that water, just like you're throwing it out to the yeah. audience with the yeah. same intensity. And I was just blown away. I was like, this is the coolest <laughs> fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> cool. I'm glad, I'm glad you noticed that. I mean, I think some people are like, why do you have to have that water with you? It's like, no, I need this water with me. I, yeah. you know, it's like some people, I know some singers chew gum or whatever, or suck on a lozenge or whatever. And for me, it's just like, no, I just want to drink all this water. Uh, and it's, I think it's seems to help, you yeah. know, uh, and I haven't lost my voice since. So. I could not picture singing coffee mug or I like food with, with gum in your mouth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. I was, I, yeah. Like I was always afraid if I did something like that, I, I'd end up like inhaling it down my windpipe or something, you know I mean? Yeah. It's, uh, it's like you got to take a lot of breaths and to have some have some projectile in your mouth like that. I didn't think that was such a good idea. Yeah. But, hopefully, hopefully the front row likes likes food and, and gum because that's what's going to hit him in the face. <laughs> right. Flying a out. lot of gum. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, man, dude, Milo, thank you so much, man. I've had you on the phone an hour and, and uh, okay. this was awesome. All right. I really appreciate it, man. And uh, uh, do I, I've 
I can send it to you. I had our art guy just as a as, as a funny aside for this. We do an episode image, of course, but I had I was like, can you take the Milo goes to college cover and and put Milo goes on peer pleasure? And yeah, uh, there we go. He totally did it and put a microphone in front of it. It's pretty Great. rad. But I'll I'll if you're cool with that, I would love to use that yeah. somewhere. But uh, uh sure, yeah. dude. Yeah. Thank no you. Yeah. So hopefully we can make it back up to Portland when you know when all this is when 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 it, when we can. When, when I can basically yell my spittle out and not, and not have it infect anybody. So, yeah. Yeah. With a new, uh, a new, a new president. Yeah, same time. exactly. Jeez. That okay. would be great. <laughs> well, dude, thank you so much. And I'll let you get back to your evening. And, and I mean, once again, I really appreciate it. And, and thank you for all the years of music, man, up to this point, like it's, it's paramount right. to me. So I, I really take that seriously. So thank cool. you so much. Th- yeah, well, thanks for listening and thanks for spreading the word. Absolutely, brother. We'll have yeah. a great evening and uh, we'll talk soon. All right. See you later. Thanks, Milo. Bye. Bye. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Mr. Milo Ackerman from The Descendants. What a dude. Uh, I, I, got, I have no words. It was awesome. It was awesome. He was great. He was grilling hot dogs for his son. Uh totally awkward in the beginning which i totally figured it would be just because you know i people i don't think people get used to being interviewed some people just don't get used to it and and uh but i love that about this because it was you know uh just a real thing like both kind of awkward like okay you're a hero of mine and he's like all right i was just grilling hot dogs let's do this thing so uh anyways thanks for bearing with me on that first you know five minutes but I think we hit our stride and, and did a good job. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for coming back week after week. I love each and every one of you guys. I know I say that every week, but I truly do. You know, I just, I, I'm so excited to bring you a new episode every week. It just gets so exciting planning it out, when it's going to come out. You know, some of these have been done for, you know, a month and a half. But getting to like strategically place them to to uh, suit you guys' needs and and what you guys want and and sometimes I get a guest idea email for the guest that's coming out that next week and I love being able to say hey man uh, <laughs> wait till next week and then everyone's like what really and that's happened multiple times and I love it so keep it up keep up sharing the show keep up keep up listening keep up you know just being awesome people and and fighting through this fucking year that we've had i really appreciate you spending the time with me you could be doing anything else but you're spending it with me and i love you for it thank you so much don't forget to check out the website purepleasurepodcast.com tell a friend rate and review and next week we've got another banger coming at you as always guys we'll see you on the radio
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.